Get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I don't know when you're listening, but this is Build Process, and I am your host, Michael Feenan. This is the show where we sit down, we talk about other web designers, or talk to other web designers about what they're doing, how they got into things, the stuff that you know is is hard or challenging for them. Uh, just to let you know that hey, we're all working hard on stuff. Uh, with me on this episode is my friend and yours, Mike Richwalski. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you again. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Mike. I have a long career uh, in web development and marketing, um, mostly in higher education. I've worked at a couple of different schools uh, for a long time, a uh, little bit in the private sector, and just kicking off uh, on my own at a uh, new kind of uh, creative agency uh, called Gasmark 8. So I'm really excited to get going on that adventure. Yeah, if that name sounds familiar to any of our listeners, too, um, Gasmark 8 is the company that sponsored our podcast when we first kicked off the Drunken UX podcast, and we're trying to get things going. So they were the ones who were like, hey, we like what you're doing. We think it's going to be cool. Let us help you get it off the ground. So I want to extend a personal thanks to Mike for, you know, kind of having that belief in us. And, and here we are today doing eight shows a month and pulling in people at least <laughs> we we have more listeners now than we used to so well i tell you what we did it uh, somewhat selfishly as it's a great opportunity for me to learn so i've learned a ton uh from all the episodes and the uh, rtos and all that stuff so uh thank you for doing it I've, it's been a great learning resource yeah so mike you mentioned that you've had a long career in web and web development um what was the sort of start of that where where did mike Ritwalski coder come from uh good question because it um i've always had a very kind of technology computery bent from uh writing basic programs on the apple IIe uh that we had in the house to just really taking to that uh a lot um uh, again kind of mixing that side with the very creative side um has kind of led me to this point so when i was in college uh at duquesne university in pittsburgh uh just kind of really that was when the web was coming around and and we see these really long weird computer you can get all kinds of information so just kind of was like whoa what and so uh i went and bought a html for dummies book it must have been like 95 96 i mean really really early early on in the process the, the big yellow and black book absolutely and it was their only one because there was not a lot of kind of web development books so uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, we went to the mall, uh, which is what you would do in the nineties and found this book and just, it just kind of, the light bulb went off and it was like, what, this is what I want to do. Um, and just really made perfect sense from, to combine the technology side and the creativity side, um, really was just the, the perfect marriage. So, uh, kind of translated that into a job as a student, a work study job in, in Duquesne's new media lab at the time. So, the chance to work with new technology, work with faculty um, on, on all kinds of technology projects, uh, distributed media around campus. I mean, it was, just, it was really the perfect kind of work-study job to just really kind of uh, ignite that passion. So um, before I graduated, uh, the kind of webmaster job opened up uh, and I got the job. So I started actually full-time 
before I graduated doing the website for the university and just kind of has really taken off from there. And how long did you end up doing that for? A couple of years. Um, It was really, you know, that that first job, uh, in addition to kind of doing website, uh, all the website for the university, I also got to do a lot of um, e-learning and distance learning support. So I got to really, again, work with faculty, which was which was great. Um, in the very early stages of online learning, when we were using WebCT, which was pretty new. Um, so that was pretty exciting. I went from there to, uh, it was the top of the dot-com boom then. So I went and chased the money mistakenly and I got out of higher ed for a little bit, but did some private sector stuff, came back to higher ed and just have, have really been there the bulk of my career since then. So at a lot of different sizes of universities from, you know, large size like a Duquesne to a smaller liberal arts college and Allegheny college to kind of a middle-sized uh, John Carroll University here in Cleveland. So just really a, a, a lot of different stops along the way. It, you really had a chance, too, there at Duquesne to kind of forge the start of that, right? That up until that point, if universities had websites, they were generally just something thrown up by you know their IT staff or something. Um, but the launch of that idea of, hey, we need a webmaster, we need the web guy. You know, that was something a lot of universities were doing there right at the end of the 90s, very start of the 2000s. Um, that, and uh, people, I think, use that word now kind of disparagingly, uh, you know, webmaster. I actually like that label because it kind of implies that you're sort of that jack of all trades, you know. Exactly. Have to do a little bit of everything. And I think that defines that role really, really well um, in my book. No, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of it was just maintaining the structure and the rudimentary designs, because I think at that time, the website was not looked as a ma- looked at as a major piece of the marketing mix that it is now. I mean, in a lot of cases, it's the number one biggest, most important piece of any university's marketing kind of puzzle. Uh, but then it wasn't. I mean, we had some kind of rudimentary information, but there was nowhere near um, just the amount of information. Um, it wasn't gauged towards a public audience. It was very much gauged uh, to an internal audience uh, who would go there to find information out about kind of goings on on campus and, you know, what is this professor's phone number? But, it, you know, it just wasn't wasn't the public facing critical, critical tool that it is now. Yeah, and that's the other side of that that's interesting to be able to kind of watch how that has changed. And that's one thing I really like about my career personally is the way I've been able to see the change and how we think about websites and and the internet and how it fits into business plans and strategy and all of that. Because when I first started using the internet, it was just, it was a novelty, right? It was just a thing that people threw stuff up on. Yahoo was just an index of all of those pages. And so you would find a category that fit what you wanted and they would have sites just listed there. Um, and that evolution is something that we will never get to see again, at least not certainly in that way, I don't think. Um, so it's it's interesting. Uh, it's something I look back on fondly. And yeah, and I think, you know, if you're starting out, you know, a career now in, in that in this area, you don't have to have, I think, as much technical knowledge or training that we had to have in those early days of the web. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying, you know, to be the webmaster in 1997, 1998, you had to know um, 
HTML and how tables worked and all the you know tags and stuff that you could do in the browser. And now you know you can be a web developer and you you've got great sets of tools, um, or you know now just be a content web content person um, who's really focused on that area. And maybe you don't need to know as much HTML. You need to know you know your content management system. But um, you know the tools have really grown and advanced to I think democratize a lot of the publishing on the web, which is great to give everybody and, you know, more people a voice is, is always a good thing. So what do you consider yourself now then, now that you've got gas market, now that you've kind of, uh, you know, reached maturity, so to speak in the field, what's, what do you call yourself? That is a great question. I, I don't know yet. I'm, it's, it's been a really strange process as I've kind of wind, been winding down my last job in, in manufacturing marketing uh, to ramp this up. Um, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm certainly getting back into the trenches, which is nice. Um, for a, for a, a number of years, um, you know, when I was running marketing at a university, you know, there's less opportunity to be hands-on. So, uh, not that my skills went away, but my skills like froze at 2012, 2013 and the web moves so fast and technology changes so fast that you know i find myself now really catching up with a lot of stuff you know from 2010 to 2016 i was a gigantic wordpress person you know we rolled out wordpress at our university uh this massive multi-site was doing some really awesome things with wordpress i was speaking about wordpress at conferences and wp campus and, and things like that and you know i've been out of that you know been reading a little bit about it but like you could ask me now about something like Gutenberg and I got no idea. Like I, I, the debate is raging if it's good or bad. And I just, I, I got to catch back up. So that's a lot of, of what I've been doing the last couple of weeks um, as I ramp up to this role and just kind of excited to get back in and learn the tools and uh, all of the stuff that's changed in the last couple of years. Don't worry. You'll have plenty of time to have opinions on Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think. Yeah, there, there will be much opportunity in, in that area. What, what are you looking forward to then outside of just kind of getting back up to speed? Like, are there any of any technologies that you're looking at that maybe you haven't played with? Maybe that's node and react and maybe that's getting into like build process stacks or something like that. Or do any of these things like, do you see it and you're like, crap, I don't know anything about it, but man, I want to get my hands dirty. Well, so much of the web is driving towards more and more and more JavaScript stuff. So that's always been, I think, a, a weak spot in my arsenal of tools. So I'm gonna gonna try and get up to speed on there. Um, and and even if I'm not gonna become this amazing JavaScript programmer, like you know some people I know, um, I just I need to understand the ecosphere of it and and what makes sense and what tools I can integrate. But, you know, you build it, you bring up some interesting thoughts, which are um, like the build process tools. I mean, we never had those like in my old higher ed days or agency days. So to have these things and, and to be able to do a lot of the heavy lifting, to be able to automate a lot of that work um, is, is pretty exciting to really jump into those. I've looked at tools on the Mac like code kit that does some of that, but um, just I'm really excited to, to sink into there to make my process more efficient and easier and less manual and less prone to mistakes uh, like you can have, like I've had, you know, just in the past. <laughs> what about, um, you know, thinking about projects you've done over the years, 
whether that's something that maybe was at Duquesne, something that you've done with Gas Mark 8, anywhere in between. What, what's something that you've done that you've looked back on and you realize, oh, holy crap, we could have done better? Oh, that's, you know, um, a, a lot of options there. You know, where I would look at is I'd look at less about the technology of, of where we could do better and more about where could I do better. Um, again, you mentioned in the early days and a lot of, of my career, and, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat, we were always armies of one. So we're used to having to do everything from design to build out to sysadmin to backend DevOps. We're in that area for a number of years in that style. You know, it can be difficult to either come onto a team or lead a team and be able to f give that up and, and free up yourself um, and delegate that work and, and trust your team. I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, so when I started to manage a, a marketing team, and that's a wide ranging set of, of skills and talents from writing to design to project management to other web folks, you know, I, I really struggled with that at the beginning. Um, so the projects were good, um, but they could have been better had I really gotten everybody involved. So that was kind of the wake up call for me was, you know, you can't do everything yourself. It's good to ask for help um, and, and give, you know, the people on your team more, you know, really support them more and give them more to do. Not that they had plenty of work, trust me, but um, to train them and cross train them across lots of other fields. So um, yeah, that's, I think something too, that, people underestimate that difficulty in the transition because I started the same way. I was the web guy for a reasonably good-sized university. Um, not huge, but certainly we had more than enough website for one person to do. Um, I moved into the private sector where I became part of a team. Um, and now, I mean, our team has two front-end developers, a QA person, a back-end guy, a project manager. You know, we work with uh, our IT staff, our marketing people, our content people. Um, and I had to relearn some stuff a little bit. Um, and that's a path that time I don't think changes because so many folks, you know, you're going to learn when you're young, you're going to be playing with websites when you're a kid, just because you can, and it's free and it's interesting. If that's what you like, you're going to do some stuff on your own. You're going to go to college and make a website for a band or for, you know, a local diner downtown or something like that you're going to be an army of one almost without question and eventually you're going to move up that ladder and you're going to realize to get a better job and get more money you're going to end up somewhere where you're likely working with at least one or two other people and switching that gear is a, an interesting experience that if you're not prepared for it it can certainly be i think jarring and i've seen folks that have tried to make that switch and not it just doesn't work um you know they're they're too used to their way um and that can go vice versa that's not just somebody going from a the person to one of many it's if you leave a team and you have suddenly all this other stuff thrown on top of you you're that you're not used to then it's like if you didn't do that cross training if you didn't learn some of those other skills and become a webmaster you it it really becomes you know overbearing for them so that's you know it's good advice, I think, across the board to be constantly thinking about what that career path looks like and what you need to be 
uh, certainly prepared for. Uh, I think so. And I way. think, you know, you've got to know too, that you're not going to come out of school or a program or something and really specialize in something day one. You know, I think if you can really, like, like you said, get that broad set of skills, um, that will help you, I think, find your passion. And it's a similar in a, in a, you know, let's take medical school as an example, you know, you're doing four years of general training before you pick a speciality. So, um, specialty whatever um you know you're not you're not you don't go into medical school training to be a uh you know ear nose and throat guy you go in there with you know your general background so i you know, maybe a little bit you can you can train a little bit to be like a you know back-end developer but you know having a, a wide set of skills before you get to that point i think just is really beneficial to give you that with that wide base and and understand the process of what goes into a front-end process? What goes into UX? What goes into IA? What goes in all these p parts and pieces that come to the whole? You know, so not only you know can you understand your role in it, but the bigger picture, which is sometimes you know I think something where we, where we struggle a little bit. You know, it, it makes me think a lot about analytics. Um, that's one thing that you know you can be young and inexperienced and know how Google Analytics works, know how to make a report, and know how to put stuff together. Um, knowing the tool and maybe some of the math behind it is one thing, but it has, you know, it's taken me years of working with Google Analytics to get proficient at really deeply understanding the tool and, and, you know, reading those things, we, you know, it's all, it's all numbers. It's all about how you combine and contrast, you know, your data, but there is a certain art to understanding the rhythm and tempo of that data. And you know, using it to start getting predictive and things like that. And that feels very similar to me that it's like, you can come, you can be very young, you can come out of school and be ready to get into that field, but it is definitely going to take you time and experience and patience before you're ready for, you know, the big highfalutin position around that. Uh, because things like that are hard and just take that experience to know. There's no way around it. I would look at something like SEO the same way. You know, you could be writing content and, you know, blogging and doing whatever. And maybe you're doing some very rudimentary SEO. Maybe you've got Yoast plugin on your WordPress, which is a great start to help kind of understand those core content and those, those core skills. But, you know, you, you can't come out of, a, you know, be an SEO expert or really work at an agency that focuses on that, you know, day one. You've got to build up to that and understand why. Google and these search engines work the way they do and how you can drive your traffic. And that's, again, you, you build up to that uh, over time. Yeah, the technical piece is really the easy part of it. You know, the the specs and stuff are not hard, but it's, yeah, the, the application. Uh, let's talk more specifically about, I mentioned, you know, what, what have you done that you did think went well? What's a project that you have worked on? And let's maybe pick something in the last couple years that you've done or put together that you're, really proud of how that went and and what about it you know went well from your standpoint uh sure so uh at john carroll in our marketing team i got to work a lot with our alumni office and team who were great and um one day uh the director of that office dave vigito came over and said you know we really want to make a way for students to connect with our alumni at John Carroll, um, because they've just, they, the alums want to give back. And one of the ways they can do that is to provide some career and mentoring advice. 
so we did. We we had a couple of, of great meetings talking about what could this look like and how could this work online to do online mentoring. So we we built a, a WordPress website, and WordPress is a great tool to do that with, uh, with some kind of custom post types and, and gravity forms, and uh, we've got a couple hundred alumni mentors who submit their information um, and talk about uh, they're interested in, you know, uh, they're an engineer and they work in this city and region and a little bit about themselves and students can go and kind of browse that directory and find somebody who matches their interests and skills and, and reach out to them. And, and it's not a mentoring relationship, like a long-term thing. It can just be as simple as, a student asking a question to an engineer in Chicago saying, what are some resources I should look for in Chicago? Or, you know, you're in Chicago, who should I be talking to about internships? Like reaching people in the space, in that geographical area, um, or maybe, the, you know, they participate, they were both on the football team. Like just to find somebody who has been through a similar experience for you when you're a student, reach out and get advice from an alumni mentor um, just as a really powerful tool. So it kind of, it checked off a lot of the boxes that we wanted that, you know, we were interested in. Um, it's not a huge time commitment for the mentors. So it's just, you know, it, it was a great experience. We've iterated a little bit as we've gotten feedback from students. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to continue to work on it and provide some support even after I left the university, you know, two years ago. So just to be able to stay connected with that um, has been great. And that's a testament to to Dave and his team that they they really have their finger on the pulse of, you know, what their community of alumni is interested in, how they want to give back to to their alma mater and to the students there. Yeah, you know what I love about that is this idea, and it's something that I've kind of pushed. I was a communication major uh, in college, and I've always really latched on to that idea of, you know, s senders, receivers, signals, mediums, and messages. And for me, when I'm building a website, you know, I've always interpreted the website itself as the noise channel. Um, and that at the end of the day, anything I build is about getting a message to another person and trying to figure out what I can do to build that system to facilitate that as quickly and easily as possible to reduce, you know, overhead clutter, you know, anything in the, in that experience that will prevent somebody from doing that. And, and that idea of constantly emphasizing that I'm not building a product i'm not building a platform i'm building a system for two people to communicate uh, there's nothing out there that you're consuming from facebook to twitter to amazon that isn't something generated by people unless you're using google maps where they're doing super weird stuff with computer generated data but uh, that's a whole other story but that that idea of getting people involved in your process and that's something that i would uh, recommend to anybody that's thinking about this that don't get stuck behind a monitor. Don't get, you know, in that space where it's all about the code. And I know a lot of great coders are, you know, they they like that space, but it's so important to spend time talking and interacting with those people because it makes you better. It makes you better at what you do because you will understand the experience more deeply. And the tools give you, as I mentioned earlier, kind of the, these things like WordPress and a lot of these tools can really democratize the process um, it's the same way in, like you mentioned, connecting person to person. And in higher ed, what we do a lot is we will often promote just certain alumni, the people who have given the most money or made the biggest impact. Um, 
and that's fine and we and we'll always do that but you know this has given our university a way to feature and connect with those people who aren't the major major donors they're the they're the people a couple of years out of school or mid career or doing all kinds of different things from service you know careers to nonprofits to you know uh NFL head coaches you know it really is the, is such a wide range of of people that we've given access to these students to connect with and they have a common bond in in John Carroll and they kind of take it from there so tools like that are i mean are great to democratize that process and we did something similar too with you know crowdfunding for some student programs whether it was service or educational opportunities like really you know we can bring some of those programs to the forefront and it's not just major capital campaign fundraising or you know these really really big donors it's hey this group of of students who have a project called the labra project and they go and feed the homeless in cleveland every friday night like they need like two grand and you know let's help promote that and so they can give the resources to continue their outreach to the homeless in cleveland and you know, tools like our crowdfunding program and some of those things just really, really brought that to the forefront, democratized it a little bit. And, you know, they're able to to get some money into their group. So I just, I like stories like that, that really make a difference. And when I was really ramping up kind of gas market stuff, I thought, you know, let's focus on higher ed and nonprofit. And the kind of the slogan and, and tagline that, that jumped out to me was do good work which is, you know, yeah, we're doing high quality work, but let's work with those groups and things that are doing good in the community and help them reach those goals. So um, those are the type of projects that I've always just really gravitated towards and really want to do as we really start to ramp this up in the next couple months. Yeah. So as you move forward and, and you've talked about, you know, getting into some new stuff and, and learning some of these new tools, what what is your personal process as far as keeping up and figuring out, you know, how you want to learn new things. Are you, you know, do you like YouTube videos? Do you go to books, blogs, you know, forums? What's your, what's your mental model for taking on new challenges like that? Yeah. Um, a couple of different ways. I mean, YouTube is, is one for sure. Um, because it can, it can scratch that itch a little bit and give you a pretty good idea without a major, major time commitment. I'm interested, um, in PHP frameworks. I'm great at parties, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I was really interested in how Laravel works and how to set it up and just, you know, the whole idea of a, of a PHP framework that's really integrated um, into kind of an MVC idea. And um, I could spend a couple hours on it, sure, but, you know, I'm busy. I got kids and all that stuff. So um, I could watch a video and in 15 minutes, see somebody set up Laravel and, and kind of get the, the basic routes and stuff set up and say, okay, I get it that, you know, kind of makes sense for what I want to do or watch something and say, that's kind of not what I want to do. So that's number one. Um, number two, websites, you know, Twitter, you can learn a ton in Stack Exchange. I learned a ton on some web development subreddits. I mean, just some some really kind of good tips. And, and also those are areas where I can also give back um, a little bit of my knowledge. So that's another one. Uh, third, uh, things like conferences. Um, and there's a great, like uh, WP Campus is a great conference. Hide Web is a great conference um, to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, see what other people are doing or explore new tools. Um, 
Hyatt Web 10 in Cincinnati. Just I, I saw a Google Maps presentation, um, and I'm gonna not say his name right, Gabriel Name, something like that. He's he's from yeah. uh, out in the West Coast, uh, Oregon area, and gave just a, a Google Maps presentation that blew my mind, and was something that I was like, okay, I want to do that. And I mean, it was awesome because he shared his code in the presentation, and we're able to adapt it and tweak it and use it. Um, when we had our 125th anniversary at John Carroll. So we made a map and alumni could, you know, send some good wishes and we put them on a map and just those kind of conference presentations where you see something just kind of blows your mind or really, really good implementation of, of, a, of something um, are great learning opportunities because you can see it in action and you know how you can get to the end point. Um, you just got to figure out the journey in the middle there of, of kind of what works for you and your workflow and your, you know, setup and skill set. Um, but really the way that I've learned a lot of stuff in my whole career has been just messing around and trying something. So whether that was the weekend uh, when in 1998, when I locked myself in my office for the weekend uh, and figured out how to, to use cold fusion, if you remember that tool um, <laughs> to do, you know, university news, that's been a great learning tool. I just, I get something in my brain and it sits in there and floats around and I think about it and gnaw on it. And then said, "Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try this," and that's been a, a great learning learning opportunity for me. So let's uh, as, as we get to the end here, let's talk about somebody new coming in. You've got uh, you know the 17 year old neighbor comes up and she wants to know what advice would you give me? I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get started, and I want to dig into something. What's the one piece of advice you would give somebody who is either getting just getting started or maybe is struggling a little bit with, you know, finding their foothold in, in whether it's development, design, DevOps, you know, any of that area? Uh, I'd start with, I'd start with something simple, you know, start with even something as simple as like blogger or wordpress.com where you can get in there and you could see a tool. And I think that'll really start to help you understand what it does and a little bit about how it works. And once you're used to kind of how WordPress works or whatever, you can jump into, you know, hosting WordPress yourself and tweaking it and just, you know, finding as you build stuff and just try stuff out, I think you're going to find those where areas where you really gravitate towards. So as you're building a theme and you're like, oh, I'm kind of into like how this is all organized or I love, you know, the functions that I can put into my functions file on my theme and, and do all this kind of crazy stuff and turn stuff on and off. And, you know, I think that will help you gauge that. Um, so as you go and you can find what you like and what you do, but you're just going to learn by building stuff. And, and even if no one sees it and it's garbage, do it and put it in a folder somewhere on your hard drive and you don't have to look at it, but you know, the more you build and the more you try and figure out the better, lot, the better off you will be. What I'm encouraged about is that, you know, educating kids, I'll say kids nowadays, um, <laughs> sound all fuddy-duddy, but, you know, the education about these tools and using technology and just how it impacts the world today is happening in a younger and younger time in school. And that I'm really excited about that. So I've got uh, my oldest son is a, to be a junior in high school, and he's taken a couple of media production. He took an in, like a social media management class. Um, He's doing intro to creative suite this fall. Like that's awesome. We never had that in high school. So, you know, I'm excited that that these kind of tools and skill sets are being kind of 
added and baked into curriculums um, because those are just skill sets that are going to help whatever kind of career you come down. You know, chances are it's going to touch technology. You know, I, I don't think you can name it a career today that, you know, is not impacted by it. So the, the earlier they learn these tools, more than just playing Fortnite, but if you can learn how the tools work and why they work and, and have a rudimentary understanding of it coming out of high school, that's awesome. That's great. And he's, you know, I'm not pushing him in a career path or, you know, I'm really letting him find himself and what he wants to do, but I think he's really gotten into the web and, and, you know, shooting video and stuff like that. That he's gotten involved with the school and, and that's great. I'm so excited. I'm just, I'm going to encourage him. And I'm just, I'm so glad that he has the opportunity in his high school to have those kind of courses. I would have, yeah. I would have loved to take those courses. That'd been awesome. I'm on the uh, technology advisory committee council, something for our high school here. And that's part of what they do is they have a track that's a very technology oriented track. And we provide feedback from an industry standpoint as to what would be useful for a kid that age to learn if they were thinking about a career in that direction. And so they tailor what they're teaching to the information we give them, which is um, super cool that they're, you know, thinking that far ahead uh, with some of that. Yeah, they have to, because, you know, as we mentioned before, this stuff changes so fast that, you know, uh, you, you develop a whole curriculum, but you've got to be very nimble with it because stuff comes and stuff goes and there's always something new and a new tool and, and new way of thinking, you know, coming down the pike. Well, Mike, I want to leave the floor to you before we go. I want you to let everybody know where they can find you, what you've got coming up, what, what's going on, what you want them to know about you. Take a couple minutes and get everybody on the Mike Rutowski train. Wow. Uh, plenty of seats. Come on board. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you can find me a lot of different places. So I'm ramping up this gas market, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, if you need some help with anything, let me know. Uh, the website is gasmark8, that's the number eight, gasmark8.com. Also on Twitter at gasmark8, uh, really starting to ramp up. Now that, that uh, I'm I'm kind of in this role full time here, um, I'll ramp up the website and some of the content stuff that I've been working on just haven't had time to do yet. But now I've got time, so uh, you can find me there. Um, on Twitter, I'm at mrichwalski on Twitter. Um, and I've got uh, a blog called High Ed Web Tech, which I've been doing since, I don't know, like 2008, which is kind of crazy, 2007, 2008. And so I've got hundreds of posts there on all sorts of web development, marketing topics, um, uh, social media stuff, just, you know, stuff. Again, I, I like to share what I've learned. I've learned from a lot of great people, so I want to share that knowledge. So that's where, uh, you know, go to the blog and and get a ton of info. But um yeah, that's that's the kind of the train. The train's heading down the tracks here in a new and exciting direction, and I'm really excited and I'm really nervous at the same time. I'm a creative developer and and visual person, and you know, music and all that stuff. And I'm I'm scared and excited to do the run a company side and the business side because I don't have a strong background in that or the sales side. So I'm gonna get to wear a lot of hats, which which is exciting, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. So uh, you can follow me on any, any of those mediums and and keep up uh, with kind of with what I'm up to or shoot me a question. I'm happy to answer anything that, that you can think of. And we'll be sure to have links to all of Mike's stuff in the show notes. You'll be able to stop by drunkenux.com. We'll have his, his Twitter and the link to Gas Mark 8 and all of that stuff set up there. 
until next time, be sure to tune in on Wednesdays. We have a new real-time overview where we round up all the news and articles and tutorials and stuff from around the web, at least as much of it as we can in, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, and then every other Monday, a new episode of the Drunken UX Podcast. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Build Process. And the only thing I have left to say is to make sure our listeners know to keep their personas close and their users closer. <laughs>